Well, I'm excited to preach this morning um, about, I think it was in 2020 that I got this idea for this series. And so I want to talk to us for the next two weeks on the topic, living hope, living hope. And we are in a season where people are uh, deficient in hope. Matthew 4, 12 through 16 is the reason why I want to talk about hope. Uh, if you got your Bibles, turn with me there. Matthew chapter 4, verses 12 through 16. Jesus has just left uh, his 40 days of fasting, and he fulfills yet another prophetic scripture from the Old Testament and where he decides to go next. Matthew chapter 4, verse 12. If you're there, say, I'm there. Now, when Jesus heard that John had been taken into custody, he withdrew into Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he came and settled in Capernaum, which is by the sea in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali. This happened so that what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet was fulfilled. Listen to this next language. The land of Zebulun, the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea on the other side of the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who were sitting in darkness saw a great light. And those who were sitting in the land and shadow of death, upon them a light dawned. That's why I want to talk to us all about hope this morning. Notice the fact that Jesus intentionally decided to go where it was most dark so that he could provide light. That's what hope is. And now that's our commission because who, who's supposed to be the light of the world? You cannot be the light of the world and not spread hope. Because if you're, if you're not spreading hope, how can you be any lighter than the dark that we're living in? We're living in a time where people need hope. See, we cannot be the light of the world unless we have hope to give. Dark times need bright hope, and we have a living hope to give. If you've got your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. It says this in the Passion Translation. It starts out with an amazing word, celebrate. Turn to somebody and say, celebrate. celebrate. Come on, say celebrate. celebrate. We need to celebrate. Okay, I don't know if you felt the doom and gloom of all of the rain this morning. But it seems to subdue joy when you're driving through all of that rain. We got a, uh, a Siberian Husky for Christmas. Pray for us. Um, and this morning, uh, sometimes we let the dog out just so that we can get our stuff together. And my wife looks out her, our window to find, <laughs> to find our Husky digging in the mud. And she looks up and her face is all black like a raccoon, like so, so dirty. And so life, it can, life when it's dreary and it's raining and stuff like that, it can be so depressing. And that's why you need hope. Because outside is a visible representation of often what's happening on the inside of people. They are living in a, under a perpetual cloud of rain. We need to be hope dealers. It says, celebrate with praises the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has shown us 
his extravagant mercy, for his fountain of mercy has given us a new life. We are reborn, say reborn, to experience a living, energetic hope. How many of you are thankful that we are reborn to a living, energetic hope? That's what we, are, we inherit when we are born again. Now, why is that? Why is it living? Why is it energetic? Why is it vibrant? That's what I want to tackle for the next couple of weeks. I want to attempt to answer some questions like, what does it mean for this hope to be, uh, be uh, living? Why is hope so important and so necessary? So before we do that, will you join me in prayer? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you not only that we can have peace, not only that can, can we have joy, but Father, thank you that we can have hope. Father, in a world that is deficient of hope, we can find hope in you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. I got a question for you as I start. Have you ever underestimated the value of something common? Anybody ever underestimated the value of something common? Let me give you an example. Toilet paper in 2020. Anybody underestimate the value of toilet paper in 2020? So I'm not alone. I'm pretty sure that everyone, if they didn't already think toilet paper was valuable, you came to the conclusion after last year that it was really valuable. 2020 was an interesting year. And uh, when the, what I like to call the toilet paper drought started, I was skeptical. People started to tell me about what was happening. Now, at this point, we had went to Sam's Club, and so we had got the 155-pack of toilet paper. Because, you know, anytime you go to Sam's Club, it's always in bulk, and so you walk out with, <laughs> I got my toilet paper. You know, it's like 155 rolls, triple roll, 155 rolls of toilet paper. And so we had had that pack. Now, we weren't those type of people that have, like, um, just have, you know, like an, an extravagant supply of toilet paper and so we just had this one and I'm like people are like yeah you got to go to the store and get some toilet paper they start telling me you know you can't go to Kroger it's not a Kroger you got to go to Sam's Club and I'm like y'all are, y'all are crazy I got my toilet I'm good and then a week goes by and I go to the grocery store and the whole toilet paper aisle looks like a ghost town gone not just toilet paper but paper towels Kleenex, the whole thing. I'm like, dang, they weren't lying. But I still got my toilet paper. I'm good. The next week rolls by, I go back because I'm just thinking that first week that I went to the grocery store, like it's just, it's, it's, uh, it's a glitch. You know, it's not that big of a deal. We'll be, have toilet paper next week. Go back next week, I start to see a trend. Ain't no toilet paper, it's gone. And so as my toilet paper stock starts to drop, I start to sweat. How many of you know what I'm talking about? We start to become a little bit conservative with the toilet paper. You can't use the toilet paper to blow your nose anymore. You better use your sleeve. You can't use the toilet paper to clean up a mess on the ground. You better get down, take a rag, something, figure something out, get cardboard, whatever, put a puzzle on the spot. Let it absorb, suck, soak it all in. Can't use the toilet paper. It gets to the point where I got two, two rolls left. Now I'm standing in faith. You know, I got, we're like in our court 
Uh, we're having, I'm having conversations with my neighbor like, hey, if you see toilet paper, get some for me. If I see toilet paper, I'm going to get some for you. Never in my life would I have ever imagined that we would have got to a point where I'm having strategic conversations about where we can go get toilet paper. And so I got two rolls left. And I'm like, I can see the end coming. I'm like, Jesus. So at two rolls, I'm like, I still have some hope. I'm going to go to Amazon. Because when you go to Amazon, you are guaranteed that you're going to find some toilet paper. If, if, a, if a store doesn't have it, Amazon always has it. So I look up, I look up Amazon. The Charmin's out. The other everything is out. Down to the commercial grade toilet paper, it's out. I got, there's like brands that just appeared out of nowhere that I've never heard of before. I'm trying to buy those and they are out. So I got desperate. Two things I, I did when I got desperate. The first is this. I had caught wind from my source in Kroger that there was going to be a fresh shipment of toilet paper at six in the morning on a Tuesday. So your boy is out in the cold at 5.30 in the morning, standing in line for toilet paper at Kroger like it's Black Friday. And I still didn't get toilet paper. So mad. So I resorted to a level of desperation that I never would, would have considered that I would have got to. I have a confession to make. Just tell you. I stole toilet paper from the church like it was showbread and I was David in the temple. I had about five rolls and I th I'm pretty sure Dana saw me. I said, turn away. I'm just walking out with... Y'all, I was the reason why we couldn't have church for about two months. We ain't got no toilet paper because your boy got it all. Never in my life would I have imagined that we would have got to the point where, <laughs> where I have to steal toilet paper from the church. I'm thinking in my head, like, Newsweek is going to just, or whatever the... Whatever the local newspaper is like, pastor gets fired from his church for stealing rolls of toilet, toilet paper. I drastically underestimated the value of toilet paper in 2020. Anybody else do that? But for me, what toilet paper was for 2020 was also what hope was for me. What do I mean? I drastically underestimated the value of hope until I started to lose it. See, that's the dangerous thing about hope is you underestimate it until you don't have any. And then you're in desperate need of it. And for so many people, including myself, I battled bouts of hopelessness in 2020. How many of you know that in 2020, suicide went through the roof? Anxiety went through the roof. Depression went through the roof. Counseling went through the roof. All signs 
that people drastically underestimated the value of hope until they were losing it or they didn't have any of it. And at first, probably like so many people, I, I didn't think the shutdown was like a big deal. You know, I'm like, I hear the, 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 the news about what's going to happen, and I'm like, oh, it's only going to be a couple of weeks. We're good. We'll shut down, follow the protocol, although we're humans, and we'll violate all of it. And we'll be good. Two weeks, quarantine, we'll be good. And then two weeks turns into two months. Then two months turns into two quarters of the year. And the reality was is I started to lose hope as the finish line continued to be extended. Because that's the thing about hope. You can have hope when you know there's an end. But when the end continues to get delayed, that's when you start to deal with the hopelessness that can set, settle, uh, set in. One of the things that was really hard for me personally was not only that the, the end of getting back to normal continued to get delayed, but also for the purpose of um, vision and for the purpose of direction. <laughs> like 2020, when people are like, so what are you doing, what are you doing? I don't know. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. We're in staff meetings talking about let's plan out some sermon series. For what reason? When are we getting back to church? It's hard to plan when you don't see a finish line. That was what was happening for me. And so uh, hopelessness started to, to settle in. And, and at the end of last year in December, I remember having a conversation with uh, Allison, where a very specific scripture uh, became real for me, and that was Proverbs thirteen twelve. I remember saying, you know, I couldn't highlight how I felt through 2020, but I will tell you this is what it was. Proverbs thirteen twelve. hope deferred makes the heart sick. That became real in 2020. Because as the thing that I was hoping to happen continued to be denied or delayed, hopelessness started to settle in. And as a result, that's a, spirit, that's a truth, y'all. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. What does heart sick mean? Literally in the Hebrew, it means that your heart becomes weak. Your heart becomes weak. When what you are hoping for continues to get denied, delayed, denied, or postponed, that heart, heart sickness settles in and you become weak in your heart. It's like getting the wind knocked out of you. Um, you just become tired and weary. Anybody tired and weary in 2020? Okay? That's what happens when you get heart sick. I, I, I get what that feels like because of how I felt through 2020. And here's the, re here's the reality. When you are circumspect and you are searching your heart and you feel a certain way and you can't pinpoint why it is what it is, that's how I felt. I'm like doing an inventory. Why do I feel this way? It was just the reality of the burden of the year. And that's how I felt. And so hope in 2020 increased in value because I didn't have as much as I used to. Here's the reality about hope. Most of us have hope and we don't even know it. We don't even consider that we have hope. Hope's value is often revealed when you start to lose it. So what is hope? Hope is an excitement for, the, for a better future. 
It's an optimistic anticipation. It's how you feel most people feel about Christmas. You're, you're hopeful that Christmas is going to be a great time. It's an optimistic anticipation. It's the, it's the expectation that your future is brighter than your past or your today. I love this quote. Hope is passion for what is possible. God, that's so good. Hope is passion for what is possible. That, that, that's, that speaks of a pioneering spirit. I don't know where I'm headed, but I have a hope and a passion for what's to come. It's where we get these mantras that our, our best days are ahead of us, which I used to hate. I used to hate that phrase. Because I remember texting a friend through 2020 and I'm like, I see all these people saying your best days are ahead. It don't look like that. <laughs> Where? When? When, when, are, when are our best days ahead? GK, uh, uh, number two, hope is one of the things that gets you up in the morning. If you got up and you got dressed and you got to church, you had a little bit of hope. If you don't have hope, you want to stay in bed all day. What's the point? Why even get up? Hope gets you up in the morning. Hope keeps you going when things are dark. G.K. Chesterton said this. He said, hope is the power of being cheerful in circumstances which we know to be desperate. Hope is most useful when hope ceases to be reasonable. And the thing that I love about our Savior is he always showed up in unreasonable situations with the kingdom of God to provide hope for people in healing and provision. He always showed up to say, there's a different reality. When the world has lost all hope, he shows up. He's the God of hope. When hope Hope is most useful when hope ceases to be reasonable. And the opposite, as many of you already know, of hope is hopelessness. When hopelessness begins to set in, pessimism becomes increasingly natural. There's no seeing the world through rose-colored glasses. Here's how you know whether or not you're dealing with hopelessness. Optimistic people become really annoying. Oh, shut up. You know, the people that... Some will come out tomorrow. Shut up. I'll bet you my bottom dollar that tomorrow's going to be trash. When you're struggling with hopelessness, optimistic people become annoying. You become Eeyore or Scrooge, grumpy about life. When you don't have hope, you believe it's only a matter of time before something bad or terrible is going to happen. When you don't have hope, you have more faith in the devil than you do in God. You are speaking things into existence that God never even called. See, you start to think it's only a matter of time before my marriage falls apart. It's only a matter of time before something bad happens 
to my children. It's only a matter of time before my health declines. It's only a matter of time before I'm in financial ruin, etc., etc., etc. And you live your life not really living, but waiting for your life to verify your emotions. That's what happens when you don't have hope. Is anybody seeing how valuable hope is? But listen to me this morning. If you're thinking that, thinking that way, you need to know that that mind state in and of itself is evidence that you need hope. If you feel that way about your life, it's because you're deficient in hope. And I'm here to give you some hope this morning. See, God fills the hopeless with hope. Three things about hope and why hope is so important. Number one, as we've already stated, hope increases in value the more hopeless life gets. It's, it's, it's one of those things that um, you don't really appreciate until you don't have any. It appreciates in value, increases in value. Once again, G.K. Chesterton said this. He said, hope means hoping when things are hopeless or it is no virtue at all. As long as matters are really hopeful, in other words, as long as life is good, it's merely flattery. It's only when everything is hopeless that hope begins to be a strength. You know what I love about the faith that we have? Romans says about Abraham, the father of our faith, that he hoped against hope. What does that mean? That means in every Every rational, logical way, Abraham had hope. Everyone else thought there was no hope. What about Noah? Noah, God says, build an ark. And we see that as faith. But what is faith? Faith is the substance of what? You cannot have faith without hope. You cannot have faith without hope. I, Derek Prince, I read a book by him. He said this. He said, most Christians don't lack faith. They lack hope. And because they lack hope, they lack an expectation that God will do anything. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The Bible says this in and of itself. It says that scripture was intentionally written under the authority and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit so that you can read it, recall it, and remember it so that you have hope. You know, hopeless people don't turn to the word. They don't. They wallow. You got to turn to the word. Because scripture said that about scripture. You want to find hope? You find it here. In the testimony of what God has done. See, Claire Booth says this, there is no Hopeless situations, only men who have grown hopeless about them. Hope increases in value the more hopeless things get. See, I remember there's a story about my son Gideon, a hopeless situation. And um, we know that hope and hopelessness is all scaled to where we are. And so he's, he has two things he's looking forward to. And one of the things that admittedly I... I have to say is that we have, we really don't even understand fully how this season of time has even impacted our kids. Like my, my daughter Ella is uh, talking to her imaginary boyfriend 
um, from Rapunzel about how she can't get around because she's got COVID. <laughs> can't come over because I got COVID. But this is part of her life, like in her mind state. And so my son's got two things that um, he was looking forward to on a Friday night, and both of them get canceled. And he finds out about these things before about to start school. And how many of you know that when hope gets deferred, it affects even your focus? And so here he is struggling with school. Why? Because he has nothing to anticipate, nothing to look forward to. And so what, it's my job as a father, a good father, to provide a new source of hope. And so what do I do? Well, first, I get rebuked by my wife because I, my initial response was get over it because I'm a hardened adult that went through 2020, so I have no empathy. Bro, you're fine. He's like crying, and I'm like, okay, I'm terrible, Dad. And so I'm like, all right, man. If you do your school well, we're going to do this, this, and this. And immediately, when he finds hope and anticipation and expectation, his focus is dialed in. This is what hope does. Brings me to my next point. Hope gives you vision. And because of that vision, you have strength today and the ability to endure. Hope gives you vision. And when you have strength, it gives you strength. When you have vision, you have strength and the ability to endure today. Proverbs 29, 18, I've never seen uh, the uh, impact of hope on this particular scripture, but Proverbs 20, 19 says this, without vision, people do what? Cast off restraint. When you don't have a vision, you don't have anything you're hoping for, anything you're anticipating, anything that you're expecting, and as a result, what's the result? You begin to throw off restraint. Vision is so powerful that it harnesses your focus. It gets you, uh, it prevents you from distraction and you get tunnel vision. That's why they call it tunnel vision. But when you don't have hope, when you don't have anything you're anticipating, expecting, looking forward to, you cast off restraint. What's the point? Why does it even matter? Why do I even get up in the morning? Who cares? What's the purpose? Hope will give you vision, and vision will give you strength to endure. One of the reasons why hope is so important is that it has restraining power. Hope keeps you focused to endure through the dark times. Scripture says that even Jesus needed hope. We see this in Hebrews chapter 12 too. For the joy set before him, he did what? He endured the cross. What was the hope? What was the expectation, the anticipation, the thing that Jesus was looking forward to that gave him the strength and the endurance to go through it? What was it? Joy. That was supposed to be rhetorical, Jason. Joy. Don't you love those classroom moments where like someone says something that's like partially true and you're like, yes, but also. Love you, man. Joy. So what that means is that Jesus, because remember, someone came to Jesus when he was on the cross and he said, if you're the son of God, dispatch angels from your father so that you can climb down from there. But he had some hope. 
He didn't need to get off the cross because there was a joy that was set before him that gave him the strength to endure it. When you don't have hope, you will sell yourself short. You'll finish before you're fulfilled. For the joy set before him. Future joy was what Jesus had hope for. Derek Prince calls hope the carrot on the stick that is perpetually before us. Hope gives you vision. And because of that vision, you have strength today and the ability to endure. Number three. So good. Hope is only as strong as what is connected to. It is only as strong as what it is connected to. Let me say it again. Hope is only as strong as what it is connected to. The interesting thing about hope is that you can't hope in hope. The hope has to be connected to something. In the Old Testament, the word hope meant expectation, anticipation, but it also meant something interesting. It meant cord. So hope is not only expectation and, and anticipation, it's literally a cord that tethers you to something or someone. Jeremiah 29, 11, just kind of look at that scripture in that context, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for prosperity and not for disaster, to give you a future and a cord that will be connected to something. When we know that this is what scripture does, because it's all living and it's prophetic in nature. So when God speaks, because he stands outside of time, when he speaks in, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit or the prophetic, he is giving you something that is literally a cord connected to something in the future to give you hope today. And that continues when he plants it in you. It continues to pull you so that you persevere through what you're going through. It gives you vision. Something that it's a cord. Remember when Joshua and Caleb went to the promised land and they were spying it out and then they were hunting them down. And Rahab said, I will drop a scarlet cord out of the... That was hope. Literally, that's literally the same word. I'm going to drop a scarlet cord out this window and this will be your hope of escape. This is the way that you get out. This is what this word means. See, they needed hope in Jeremiah 29, 11, because we always take that scripture out of context. It was spoken to them in Babylonian exile. It wasn't spoken when hope was easy. See, what you have to understand is if you're hopeless, God has a word for you. He always speaks into hopeless situations to give you a cord that will help you get out. This is what he does. So hope is only as strong as what is connected to you. Do you know that the hope that the world has to give and the hope that Christ has to give is one? They're not the same. They're totally different. The hope that the world has to give is uncertain. It's uncertain. Why do I say that? Because it's connected to wishing. It's connected to luck, chance, serendipity, 
good vibes, happenstance, good thoughts. You don't want hope from a horoscope. This is what the world, this is all they have to offer. I'll never forget, uh, I, I posted something years ago and my cousin, <laughs> he responded, he said, sending good thoughts. I said, what does that even mean? How do you, how, and I was like kind of just being a jerk. It's like, what does that even mean? If you're sending a thought, how do I know when I get it? Is there some way in which you can tell me that it is processing and when it will be delivered? This is what the world has to offer. This is the hope. The hope that the world has to offer is anchored in maybe. Maybe tomorrow will be better today. Maybe today will, be, will turn out better. Maybe something will happen to get me out of this hopeless situation. Maybe, maybe, maybe. When I think about maybe, I think about the hope that the world provides. And, and as I was thinking about this, I was thinking about a, a summer camp story that I was talking to Ian about that was just so funny. Hopefully this illustration connects my point. But uh, every year when we, went, when we would go to summer camp, one of the things that we had to do is all of the students and leaders had to take a swim test. And, and it's kind of like, you know how like, they talk about the story about like uh, birds pushing their babies out of the nest? These kids would get in line, and you could tell in line who was going to sink and who was going to swim. And it often was connected to this, this like, like, you know when pain's coming? It's like when you get, before you get spanked, you're just anxious. This is what it was like. These kids knew they had to take the test now. They had to jump into the deep end. And they knew, like, I'm about to sink. And so they're in line, and I remember, like, standing back looking at them. I'm like, there's a sinker. I can do, I'm a t let's put money on it. I got two bucks on your boy's about to sink. He about to drop like a rock. And then you knew what the swimmers were. And sure enough, thank God there was a, life in, a lifeguard in the deep end, right? Because it wouldn't have been funny otherwise. But um, the interesting thing, though, is that's all the hope is kind of like that the world has to offer. You get into this hopeless situation and you take this leap as if today maybe you're going to figure out how to swim. Like, you're not going to learn how to swim in the deep end, bro. But this is the type of world, this is the type of the hope that is offered from the world. <laughs> Beth, I love you, but you know what? I'm going to just give you a maybe today. Good luck. Good luck. Maybe it'll work out for you. There's no certainty in maybe. My mom's maybe every time at the grocery store for some candy meant no. And it took me a long time to figure that out. And I was holding on hope. And then maybe is the way that the world dismisses you. I'm going to give you a false sense of hope so that I don't really have to care. Hey. You're going to be okay. And it's uncertain because it's based on luck, wishing, serendipity, chance, happenstance, good vibes, good thoughts. There's no anchor there. 
The truth is that the world can only provide empty hope. If I could have Amy come up and tickle the keys this morning. Listen to me this morning. The only way that hope would be worth anything is if it was connected to something or someone that went through an impossible situation and came out on the other side and made provision for you to go through your impossible situation. Why do I say that? Because when you're hopeless, you feel like it is impossible to get out. You're living Groundhog Day over and over again. When you're hopeless, there's no way. And what settles in is you begin to accept an inferior reality for your life. Well, I guess this is all there is. I guess it didn't turn out the way that I wanted it to turn out. See, this is how you feel when you're hopeless. So if I'm going to get out of this hopeless place, I need to be able to be, listen to me, connected to something or connected to someone that went through an impossible situation and made it through. Turn to, turn to 1 Peter 1.3 again, because we only read the first half of the verse. Look at this verse again. Celebrate with praises the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has shown us his extravagant mercy. For his fountain of mercy has given us a new life. We are reborn to experience a living, energetic hope. How? We are reborn to experience a living, energetic hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. See, this is why the hope that God has to offer is different than the, the hope that the world has to offer because he went through an impossible situation and he's on the other side of it. And it changed everything. That's why Jesus is worthy of hope. And let's continue to go on because I don't think you're getting it yet. Why is our hope still living? Why is it energetic? It's living and energetic because we have a savior that was nailed to a cross for our sins and three days later, he was buried and three days later, he resurrected from the, from the dead when everyone's hopes were done. All of his disciples were scattered. Everybody was going to his grave to mourn the loss of their Messiah. And as we sang, why are you looking for the living among the dead? That was the good news of the hope that Jesus can provide. Listen, your hope is not dead because he is not dead. That's what that tells us. Hope still is alive. We're going to sing a song hopefully next week that James introduced months ago. You keep hope alive because why? Because you are alive. When someone or something goes through an impossible situation, they are worthy of putting hope in. Because when you feel hopeless about your situation, you can wrap yourself connected through the cord of hope to someone that is pulling you and saying, it's okay. Because I'm on the other side of death. 
and I'm sending encouragement your way through the word, through preaching and teaching and ministry and prophetic ministry to tell you, keep on holding on to hope because I'm on the other side of my impossible situation saying, with God, all things are what? Exactly. It's not good luck. It's not well wishes or good vibes. It is based on the certainty that the resurrection happened. 500 people he appeared to. He ministered for weeks afterwards. He showed Thomas the scars in his hands. And he said, yeah, you thought it was over, but it's not over. Let me show you that I really died. This is why hope is so powerful. He is a resurrector. He's a redeemer. He's a restorer. And there's nothing that you will go through in this life that you have to go through without hope because of his death and his resurrection. He gives you a living hope. Now, here's the thing. So many of you have gone through hopeless situations where your hope was anchored to something changing. Your hope was anchored to the truth of the word. But let me tell you something. This is where you cannot be discouraged because death is just a doorway. I didn't get healed here. You will be healed. Because Revelation is so beautiful. I hope you cover this passage of scripture. There will be a day where we are in eternity where there will be no more tears. There will be no more sadness. There will be no more sickness. There will be no more poverty. He paved a way. He made a way through the resurrection of himself on the cross and through the grave. He made a way. Death is just a door to the believer. Why didn't he resurrect his, his father? Because he was going to make a way. Listen, none of us will care. We will not care about whether or not we got healed in this life after we pass through it and we're standing face to face with Jesus. Does that mean we don't pursue it? No. Fight for it. Go after it. But even if it doesn't happen like Daniel in the lion's den, we're still not going to bow down. We're still not going to give up hope. Because for the believer, death is just a door. It's okay if I don't get it here because I'm going to get it somewhere else. Every disappointment, delaying, and denial of, of a promise of God that you do not see fulfilled in this life, you will reap the opposite of it, of it in eternity. You can be sure. And I'm telling you, you're going to come up to Jesus and Jesus is going to be like, you may not get God in that life, but that's okay. Here it is. You get this and you get this and you get this and you get this. Well done, good and faithful servant. You are being rewarded for your faithfulness on the earth. You didn't give up hope even though all things were hopeless. Listen, that's why our reality is different. We are hope dealers. If we don't have hope to give hopeless people, what are we even giving them? I'm going to take it one more place. Hebrews 6, 19. So good. And this hope, which is living and energetic, this cord we have as an anchor for the soul, 
<laughs> this cord is both what? Sure and reliable. In other words, it's not anchored to maybe. See, Jesus went through with joy, endured the cross and rose again so that he could make certain our hope. Both sure and reliable and one which enters within the veil where Jesus has entered as a forerunner for us, having become a high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Listen to this. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father saying to you this morning, I am on the other side of an impossible situation that everyone lost hope in, but I turned a hopeless people into a people full of hope. I made it through death, hell, and the grave, and I have carried a cord of hope wrapped around me through the veil so you can grab a hold of it and you can be anchored to my reality where I'm next to the Father. Let me tell you another thing that culturally blows my mind. I was driving home from my sister's house last night and the Holy Spirit spoke this and ooh, I about drove, pulled over, put my hazards on and about cried. In the Old Testament, the high priest would have a rope around their waist. Why? Because if they died in the presence, no one wanted to die by going in. So they pull them out. But we have a cord called hope wrapped around a savior on the other side of the veil and we don't have to pull him out. He earned the cord, not because he, because he was about to die, but because he already died. And we have a savior on the other side of this life anchored in the presence of God. And listen, we're not pulling him out. He's pulling us out. He sends us his word. He sends us impartation. He sends us scripture. He sends us prophecy. And he's in there anchored. And he's like, let's go. Let's go. I got you. I'm not going anywhere. He, listen, he's not the horns of the altar. He is the altar. And he's there and he's like, I got, I got mercy for you. I got hope for you. I got joy set before you. You can endure because I'm on the other side of a hopeless situation and I'm pulling you in it. Every step that we live in this life through delay, denying, disappointment, it doesn't matter because we, are, we have a cord wrapped around our body that is corded to our Savior on the other side of death. And he's telling you, I'm not going anywhere. So don't unwrap yourself from me. Because with God, nothing is impossible. This living, energetic hope we have is an anchor for the soul. A hope both sure and certain. So, at the end of last year, when I was dealing with hopelessness, I get up in the morning, and honestly, up until that point, because here's the deal. When you start to search your heart, you start to realize that you're hopeless, and you search your heart, God will reveal where your anchor was. My anchor, the anchor for my hope was not in God. The anchor for my hope was, I just want to get back to how it used to be. And Betty at the end of December had such an amazing word. She said, I don't even know what she said. I think it was something along the lines of, are you moving on from 2020 or are you moving forward from 2020? And this was my reality. It checked me. I was in the sound booth and I was like, 
about the high. But the truth was, I wanted to move on from the disappointment of a year. And I wanted to move on to get back to how it used to be. Because that's what I wanted. And so I'm sitting there, and, I'm, I'm, I, and I literally have December 23rd. I wrote this down, December 23rd, 6.07 a.m. I just say a simple prayer, and I said, God, I know that I have been anchoring my hope in getting back to normal. Help me to learn and know how to anchor my hope in you and you alone. And I had just finished a book of the Bible, and I didn't know where to go next. And so I just sensed, I'm going to go to 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1. And I laughed. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, according to the commandment of God, our Savior, and of Christ Jesus, who is our hope. I had no idea. Never memorized that scripture before. I just said, God, help me to teach. Teach me how you are my hope. I don't even know where to read 1 Timothy 1.1. He's our hope. He's our hope because he's gone to where we haven't yet. And he's preparing a place for you. And it's glorious. There will be no more sickness, no more sickness. None of it. It is glorious. He will always be our hope. Why did Peter, the apostle, say we have been given a living hope? Because he's alive. Because it is a hope that cannot be killed. Because it's in a resurrected Savior. Will you stand with me this morning? You know what? I feel like there may be some hopeless people in the room this morning. And we need to pray. And if I could just have some spirit-filled, hopeful people come to the front and offer themselves and willing to pray for people in hopeless situations. I just want to encourage you this morning. He is our hope. He has a supply of hope for you. And if you're in this room, if you came forward and you're like, I'm battling some hopeless, hopelessness, find someone else that, that may not uh, be feeling, or, you know, find another ministry person. But this is what I'm gonna do. I'm just gonna pray. And I, if you are battling hopelessness, I do not want you to leave the room without getting an impartation of the hope that Jesus can give you. Listen to me. I think it's Romans 15 where it says this, that you would be abounding in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Why by the Holy Spirit? Because the same Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead now lives in, in you. It's impossible for the Holy Spirit to reside in you and you not have boundless hope. And life has a way of stifling it, suffocating it, subduing it, and you got a lion inside of you that needs to be uncaged. So I believe strongly in the impartation of the Holy Spirit through the laying on of hands. 
So I'm going to pray. And if you feel hope, any amount of hopelessness in the room, I want you to come forward at the end of my prayer. Will you join me and pray? Father, in Jesus' name, we come before you. God, we lay our lives down before you. We lay our hopelessness before you. And Father, we pray as the song says, hope will be strength for today and hope, vision for tomorrow. And so God, we pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would come. And Father, that you would minister hope in our hopelessness in Jesus' name. If that's you, come forward right now. Come on, don't hesitate. I don't know if, if somebody it's here or if it's somebody out there watching, but God just dropped in my spirit that you have a state of hopelessness in, in a relationship with someone very dear and near to you because of what 2020 has brought due to either politics, due to COVID, due to many, many things that 2020 has stirred up. And... God wants you to know that he is the God of reconciliation and he will give you strategies of how to pray, uh, what to do in order to bring reconciliation to relationships. So trust and hope in the God of reconciliation if that's you. Why don't you pray for that? If, if that's you, just, just if that's them, just bring them forward. But if not, okay, well, if you're here, you can come forward. But if you're online, I want to pray specifically for you. Lord, we know how that your word says that there will come the times as the end draws near that will divide even uh, families, fathers from children and children's from, from parents, many things. And Lord, I just pray right now as the God that you are of reconciliation, that as this, these people that this applies to, as they humble themselves before you and they give up, Father, all their rights except for just reconciliation, that you will show them the strategies, Father, how to pray, the strategies of what to do, what to tear down, what to build up, what to decree, what to bind, what to loose, so that the reconciliation can come in relationships because you are the giver of hope and you are the giver, Lord, of life and relationships. Family is your making, Father. And so, Lord, we're asking for you to touch these people, Lord, and give them the wisdom of how to relate to you in this situation in Jesus' name. Amen.